Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me, Dr. Shawanda Faye Watson, for another episode of Unpacking Family Secrets God's Way. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today to hear what the Lord has to say about the important topic that he specifically has chosen for me to cover. And so before I go into detail about his word, I definitely want to take the time to honor him. And it's Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we're coming boldly before your throne of grace through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, acknowledging you for who you are, the amazing Father, the awesome I am that I am, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for our Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We praise your holy name for the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ of Nazareth as Lord, Master, and Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for the blood, the precious blood of the Lamb of God. The blood will never lose its power. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for your love, your peace, your joy, your strength, for your provision, your protection, for your favor, your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. Heavenly Father, we honor you right now. And we ask you to forgive us, our families, our ancestors, forefathers, and foremothers, all the way back to Adam and Eve for every known and unknown sin, iniquity, and perversion we have ever committed against your holy word. And we thank you, Father, right now for your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. And Heavenly Father, we renounce every evil and wicked word that we have ever spoken. And we renounce every evil and wicked word anyone and anything else has ever spoken over our lives and destinies. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Holy Spirit, have your way in this podcast. We plead the blood of Jesus over everyone who's listening and over our families and everything and everyone predestined by the Most High God to be associated with us. We bind up backlash, sabotage, retaliation, setbacks, revenge, and delays, not only for us, but for our families as well. And Holy Spirit, I decrease because it is mandatory that you increase. And it's in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, mighty name we pray. Amen. So, I am excited about the word the Lord has in store for us on today. So, If you do not have anything to write with or to write on, I will pause for a moment so that you can get that. All right. Well, it is time to talk about that difficult topic. And, you know, whenever you're talking about abuse of any kind, It is difficult, it is challenging, and and a, a lot of times people don't want to hear it because the painful memories uh, have to be revisited. And when people are wanting and when they are ready to heal while go through the healing process, 
the healing process may seem just as painful or even more painful than the actual abuse when it was taking place because now you're having to talk about it you you are having to relive it through words and you know you may have uh thoughts about uh the pain that you went through but in order to heal properly you have to discuss it you have to acknowledge it so that you can move through it and move forward with the life the Lord has predestined for you and you're worth every bit of it. So the topic that we are covering and we began it uh, in the last podcast is domestic violence and not only domestic violence, but domestic violence in the church. And, you know, we talked about the fact that you have people in the church listening to the pastors talk about the word of God, but they're sitting there hurting. They're sitting there and they are victims of domestic violence. And if no one is willing to talk about it, if no one is willing to teach husbands and wives about it and uh, how husbands should love their wives and how wives should submit to their husbands. And when we're talking about submission, it's not talking about slavery. And you have some men who uh, run their marriage as if the wife is supposed to be a slave to them. And that's not, that is not a godly marriage. Okay. So we're going to clear up uh, those myths and also recognize that domestic violence is actually in the church. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, or however uh, and whenever couples enter the church, you will have victims walking in as well, okay? And so, you know, we're going to go through uh, scripture because in the last podcast, we talked about the different types of uh, abuse. And we're going to talk about the different types uh, of abuse when it comes to domestic violence. We're going to just take one topic at a time because even if the victim is not being physically abused. They may be sexually abused. If they're not sexually abused, they may be uh, victims of financial abuse. You know, so, you know, there are many types. Uh, if they're not financially uh, abused, then it could be social isolationism, you know, where they're not allowed to go visit their parents. Um, they're not allowed to go visit their friends. They're not allowed to have friends, you know, and uh, they're very outgoing people, but they married someone who is basically smothering them and restricting them, okay? And that basically breaks them because that's not how the Lord created them to be, 
And so before we go any further, I promised you that I would tell you why, you know, what is it that drives me? One is being obedient to the Most High God and His purpose for my life. Uh, being a survivor of abuse, sexual abuse uh, by family members. My uh, father was an abuser and he abused me for years. And um, other family members uh, sexually abused me. And so um, I understand that. And then, of course, I had family members who were victims of domestic violence. And so all of that I knew uh, at a very young age, you know, during my childhood age, that I would be involved in helping someone overcome abuse because the Lord has blessed me and he's healed me uh, emotionally, physically, and, you know, in every area so that I can pour into others and uh, help them walk through it and, you know, just come out of it and just have a prosperous life because that's what he promised, you know, an abundant life. And when you're victims of any type of abuse, that's not abundance. That's not the Lord's will. Okay. You just ended up being married to your enemy and you thought that they were a friend. Okay. So the way that I um, came into and basically had a have a passion or had a passion for helping people who were victims of domestic violence is uh, something happened when I was in high school. And uh, I had just, you know, I was a teenage mother and I had just recently had my oldest child, my oldest surviving child, um, and he was a baby. And so uh, one night, my mother and I and my siblings were asleep. And um, I think it was close to midnight. And so we had, there was a knock uh, a frantic knock on the door. They were just beating. Uh, and we, my mother and I, you know, got up and we ran to the door, but we didn't open it because, you know, we didn't have um, a male figure in the house. And so we were standing there and the person was beating on the door, yelling, help me, help me, help me. And my, I'm standing there with my mother and we're looking at each other, trying to decide what to do because we didn't have a telephone, so we couldn't call nine one one. You know, and uh, that's the thing about poverty. Poverty uh, is just, you know, a, a way that keeps you bound. You, you can't help anyone. You can't do anything. You, there's no movement. Um, so we didn't have a way to call. And this woman was beating on the door, yelling, "Help me!" And we were, again, standing there looking at each other, trying to figure out what to do. And because I was going to do whatever my mom said, because she was the head of house, head of the house, and I was a teenager. Uh, and so we were standing there talking, whispering to each other, and then the beating stopped. So the person left, right? And so we knew uh, who it was. Um but the next time we saw this woman who was a psychologist, she was a beautiful woman. 
had children. When you saw her and her husband, you would think that they were perfect because they will walk, you know, the family will walk together. But the, the next time we saw her, she had lost the use of uh, her arm, you know, and she was dragging it. So it was as if she had a stroke, but it was because her husband caught her and he beat her. And from that day, okay, I was determined. It was just something on the inside of me. Uh, even though I didn't do anything regarding domestic violence when I was in high school or college, I knew that one day there would, I had to do something with that fire that was on the inside of me so that no one else would come by me, uh, cross paths with me, and I did nothing uh, to help them. Okay, and so this is a task because we're going to be talking about things that people don't want you to talk about. Who, I, I, you know, domestic violence awareness month is in the month of October. Okay, and that's when you hear bits and pieces about domestic violence, what uh, is being done to stop it, to decrease it. Uh, but after October, you don't hear anything else other than when a victim was killed, how many children uh, were you know, left behind that were orphaned as a result of their parent being murdered. Um, so we've got to do something about it. And because the divorce rate in churches or Christian homes is higher than uh, the secular uh, population, you know, those people who are not in the church, then we there has to be something going on. And one of those things, of course, is domestic violence, okay? And, you know, domestic violence, there's no discrimination. You, it, it doesn't matter about the, uh, socioeconomic levels, uh, it doesn't matter about race, gender, you have this crippling, devastating act of violence every day, okay? Every day. And again, there has to be a voice that's loud enough and where people are saying the same thing, letting those predators um, know that domestic violence is wrong, it will not be tolerated. So that when you hear about someone uh, beating their spouse, you know, you will be able to point the finger at them and let them know that that's wrong and yes, they need to go to jail, okay? And one of the things that you will find in families, you you would think that the family is more supportive of the one who is beating their spouse as opposed to the victim, okay? Because during, you know, during Thanksgiving, you know, the, that time of year where you're celebrating, you're sitting around the table, you're sitting there 
with someone that you know is beating their spouse on a regular basis, but you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to make them upset or what have you, but then you are not reporting them because you say, that's not my business. But I have to remind you that if that person that you're trying to protect and you don't want to make them upset, if they call someone to end up in the grave, okay? And the children are left parentless. That is when it becomes your business because now you have to help find a place for these babies to live. You have to find a way to take care of them. You have to be a part of the solution to help them heal through this process. And so you have to make a decision either on the front end or the back end. You're going to get involved one way or the other. So stop protecting and co-signing to domestic violence. And again, that's in the church. Now, I'm not saying that pastors are responsible for domestic violence. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that if you look at Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 33, pastors should be teaching, okay? And explaining what the Lord means when he says in the verses Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So as wives are honoring and uh, obeying the Lord and praising the Lord, you know what I mean? Then the Lord wants them to submit themselves to their own husbands, their own husbands, okay? If they have a compliment to give, they give it to their own husbands, not someone else's husband, okay? If they're going to be uh, intimate with someone, then they need to be intimate with their own husbands, not someone else's husband, okay? You understand what I'm saying? If they're going to cook for anybody's husband, then they should be cook. They should be cooking for their own husbands, not somebody else's husband, all right? Uh, if they're going to honor uh, someone's husbands, then they should be honoring their husband, lifting them up, okay? Giving them compliments, right? Including them in the conversation about what is going on in the household and with the children, not giving all of that to someone else's husband, okay? <laughs> all right? So, Submission is not slavery. It's not meant to be, you know, that way. That's not the, the way the Lord established it. It, it. That's not his intent for that scripture. Okay. But then he goes on, the Lord goes on to say, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Okay. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, 
so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything, okay? Now, that is not slavery because he is paralleling uh, your praise, your worship, your submission to him, okay, to Christ in the way that you should treat him, then that translates to how you should should uh, submit and honor your husband. When you put it in that context, then wives, okay, and of those women who are wanting to be married, they can accept that. It's not brutal, okay? You're not going to see the husband dressed to the nine and their wives looking broke down because the wife is the glory of the husband. So if the husband is doing what he is supposed to do, then the wife will, you will see it on her. You see what I'm saying? She will be happy. She won't have a problem or an issue submitting to a husband who is actually loving her, who is actually uh, taking the time to find out what she likes, what she loves, what she does not like, okay? You know what I mean? They they understand that, okay, when it's time to be intimate, if the wife says, I'm not feeling well, you know, I'm tired, okay? Can you, you know, can you wait? You see what I'm saying? Can just just let me rest a little bit. Then they're not saying, well, no, that your body is my body. Uh, you know, that's what the Lord said, and you're not supposed to keep that from me. That has nothing to do with what she just said. She said she was tired. Can you just hold on for just a little while? Let her get some rest. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And then when she's rested and she's feeling better, she will be intimate with her husband without an issue. Because right there, he is showing her that he cares for her, that he loves her. He is concerned about her. But when you are married to a man who does not care about your needs, all right, who basically will go to church, lift up his hands before the Lord, and then go home and lift his hand up to hit his wife. No, that's your enemy. He hadn't heard anything about what the Lord wants, what the Lord cares for, what he is concerned about. He does not care about what the Lord said. It's all about him. Okay. And so, again, it's not, I'm not saying that the pastor our pastors are responsible for domestic violence in their church. No, I'm not saying that. What the Lord wants you to understand is that you have people sitting in the church under leadership, under a pastor. And instead of explaining explicitly God's word and explain to the women uh, about submission, they ignore the topic. Okay, because believe it or not, your husband may have had some issues during their childhood. Okay, 
your husbands may have had uh, situations where the men in their family really did not care about how their wives felt about things, right? They probably witnessed their fathers beating their mothers, even if they were not married to each other, okay? So my point is, you have three scriptures, three verses, excuse me, from Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 concerning wives. But then for the husbands, the Lord starts at verse 25 and he goes all the way to verse 33. Verse 33, do you hear me? Okay. So he knew that the wives could, you know, understand what he meant when he asked them to submit, when it's a lot in these verses and men in general, not all men, but in general, really don't know how to love. This is why I really believe that the Lord put so much emphasis and explanation on how a husband is to love his wife. And when they do that, they can ask their wives for anything because it's not hard to submit to a husband who is actually loving you. But you, if you're married to a man who could care less and his agenda is the most important, it overshadows the Lord's agenda. You're married to your enemy. You understand? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you probably had family members and friends telling you, no, you probably need to wait on that because there's something wrong with him. But of course, when it comes to our business per se, we really don't want anybody telling us anything. Okay. So the Lord said in Ephesians 5 verse 25 through 33, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present herself to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, 
but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Okay? So there's a lot in there. It's a lot in those verses. But most men don't know how to love. Most men will not read Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 33. Do you understand? Okay? So they just, you know, wing it based on the men they grew up around. And if they didn't have uh, a male figure that they could respect and look up to, they just came up with their own. You see, because they probably had a situation where you had men in and out of the house. Okay? So many uncles. You see what I'm saying? So many stepdaddies. Okay? And they saw just an array of behavior when it came to the treatment of their mother. And then here the woman goes, thinking that this is the best man for her, she ends up saying yes and marrying him or either dating him, okay? And he's beating her. If he's not beating her, he's calling her every kind of name other than the name that the Lord blessed her with. Her self-esteem is so low. All right? I've even heard of reports in the church where men have thrown their wives across the room and then get to the church and again, raising their hands before the, the Lord at the altar, uh, you know, pretending like their relationship is the best when they are the perpetrators of domestic violence. Do you understand? Putting restrictions on their wives. What is that? Where they can't, you know, um, wear whatever they want to to bed. I mean, what does a piece of cloth have to do with what's supposed to be taking place in the bed? In the marriage bed? Do you understand? That does not make sense to me. It does not. So the Lord is making sure that people understand and that pastors understand that they have an obligation to teach their congregation about relationships. And until it starts coming from the pulpit that that kind of violence is unacceptable until they start you probably will not have a decrease in domestic violence and then the number of domestic violence cases because if the way people should live and i'm talking about the right way according to god's word is not coming from the church then you can give it up because it's not going to come from the world. Do you understand? Because they don't know about it. They're not opening up the Lord's word to find out about it. So the church 
has to play a part in this. And to have victims sitting in church on Sundays, just waiting, just hoping, will they say something about this behavior so that this person can hear, okay, and know and understand and be, you know, begin to change and consider that domestic violence is unacceptable. It is unacceptable. And you may not be able to help everybody, okay? But when we are saying the same thing in the church and at home and stop cuddling these people who are beating their spouses, who are beating their girlfriends, okay? And now let me make sure that you understand this as well. Men are victims of domestic violence. But most men will not even acknowledge the fact that they're victims. Okay? Because they have this image of them having to be strong, that they're not allowed to cry when they're hurting. I don't want to stand beside a man who is supposed to be sad but then they got a smile on their face. Uh-uh, it's something wrong with that. Or if they're angry, they're smiling. What? No. No. It's something wrong with that. If someone is angry, then it, there should be some type of sign. But you just stand up there smiling. No, it's something going on up in, in the brain. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, ladies... We have to get to a point, and it's not all, but for those who have to be in a relationship, you understand? You got to slow it down. You got to slow it down because you need to find out why one relationship ended, and then you need some healing time so that you won't run into that same type of person in the next relationship because you have victims who are victims in this relationship that relationship ends and they finally get away from them and then they find themselves right back in another relationship with domestic violence do you understand so it's wrong either way and it has to be reported either way because you have children growing up and i've seen it teenagers growing up thinking that it's okay to beat each other mm-hmm mm-hmm and their parents don't know anything about it they don't know anything about it but this has to stop and the lord has just put that passion on the inside of me to be open and honest about it. And again, I know that some people are not going to like it, but it's time for those victims to be free. And so before I go into prayer and also give the invitation to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the hotline number. And men and women both can call this number. 
And in February, uh, that's Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. The color's orange. Most people don't even talk about the fact that their teenagers are in dangerous relationships because they're so caught up in what they're in. Okay? But if you're in a relationship and you're trying to stay in this this domestic violence situation because you are concerned about the fact that, you know, you don't want to separate the children from their uh, father or their mother. No, you're not helping them. You're not helping those children because you're telling your logic is basically saying that your children would prefer that you stay in a situation where they actually witness you being beaten as opposed to being away from this person and they being safe, you know, them being safe. No. And I just talked to a young person recently and they were saying that they wanted their dad to leave because they felt like he was too violent and that if he was gone, they would be able to have a happy life. Do you understand? Children should not have to go through this because the adults have to make the right decisions. And if you cannot do it for yourself, please do it for the benefit and the safety of your children. So the hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-7233. And even if you call a number just to have somebody to talk to, you know, to share what's going on with you, even if you're not prepared mentally and emotionally to leave, you will have a support system. They will help you come up with a plan of action to get you safe, to a safe place. Because this is not the life the Lord promised. Okay? So, if that's you, that you are a victim, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to give the invitation to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise your holy name, Lord. And we again are coming boldly before your throne of grace through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, acknowledging you for who you are. Right now, Lord, I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over every listener of the podcast, over every victim. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, and I call them out by the power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I ask that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth pursue every pursuer that is pursuing them in the mighty name of Jesus. And I command every evil and wicked arrow fired into their bodies, their souls, their minds, their spirits, their environments to backfire, go back to the sender right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Fire of God, burn out everything that's in them and around them that is not of you in the mighty name of Jesus. I 
dispatch multi-purpose angels to go forth and do battle on their behalf to obey every word of the Most High God concerning them and their situation. I speak peace into their situation right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to overshadow them with the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. I turn their lives over to you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that when you open the door of escape, that they recognize it and run through it in the mighty name of Jesus. And I ask you to give their the predators, those people who are beating them, a different assignment. Distract them. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you to heal every broken area in their hearts, Lord, in their souls, their spirits, their minds. Right now, heal right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And so I come against and I bind up backlash, sabotage, retaliation, setbacks, revenge, and delays concerning myself, everyone who's listening, the victims, and their families. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you said no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us shall be condemned. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you and I praise your holy name, Lord. For putting them back in line. So that they will have an abundant life. In the mighty name of Jesus. I believe that I have received on behalf of everyone who's listening. The victims as well and their families. Everything that I pray for in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, if we have anyone who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I'm asking them right now to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I Acknowledge that I am a sinner. I have not lived according to your holy word. And I ask you to forgive me. I confess that Jesus Christ of Nazareth died on the cross just for me. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. He was a virgin born and he rose again. And he's going to prepare a place just for me. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Come into my heart and make me a new creation. If I die tonight, heaven would be my home. 
because I have acknowledged Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the royal family, the kingdom of the Most High God. And I thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast because we have not even started really because your well-being your life is so important to the Lord he loves you so much and we've all made bad decisions we've all made mistakes but no mistake is so bad that the Lord will not forgive us of them. And I want you to understand that, that he loves you so much. And I understand that you may not feel like anyone loves you or that you deserve the love of the Lord because you've done so much. Or maybe you felt like he didn't do enough for you. But I'm here to encourage you right now that he will never leave you. He never left you. Never will he leave you, nor forsake you. You are the apple of his eye. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And again, he loves you. So, I want you to be blessed. And I want you to look forward to a beautiful future guided by the Holy Spirit. And until next time, I love you with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth.